Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good day, WCC. Out there shocking around, you know. So. so I was the shark, if you yeah, if you didn't pick up on that. Uh, those are really fun to create. My wife has about 40 of those on her phone. So, uh, yeah, missed my calling as like a voiceover person. So, no, my name is Topher, and it is a privilege to be here. I get emotional when I preach because it's just a big deal. I think it is a really big deal to take God's word, to dissect it, and then to deliver it to people. And so it's, a, it's not with a, a lightness that I come up here. I know I am gregarious and extroverted and annoying sometimes. Um, but when I preach God's word, it's really hard uh, not to just get really solemn. And so I'm going to get through this. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, Ephesians chapter 4. And if you were here last week, you know that George preached on Ephesians chapter 4. And there was a few of us that knew I was going to be preaching on Ephesians chapter 4. And we all got a little nervous. But in God's sovereignty, I'd started studying this a couple weeks ago. In the very end of George's sermon, he said, hey, dig in deeper to this chapter. And so that's what we're going to do today. So we'll be in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So I think Guapo's got some slides. Thanks, Guapo, for helping out. It's kind of a fun Father's Day thing to do this with your son, and he's going to click through the slides, and, and it's also one of those, like, trials as a dad, right? Like, we're going to work together and do this. And so uh, before we get started, uh, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word, God, that it is a light to our path. God, we thank you for your word that instructs us and teaches us and rebukes us and corrects us. And Lord, as I've studied this passage over the last however long, God, you have been teaching me and you've been challenging me and I feel like you've been calling our church to grow deeper. And so Lord, I pray that you would cover your servant, that Christ would be lifted high today, that your word would be lifted and that we would see a glorious Savior. And God, that our sin, God, that we would see it, but we would know that we have hope because of Christ. And so, God, we thank you for your word and for this time, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I have a question for you. How many of you, by a show of hands, because we need some audience participation, how many of you have been a student an athlete, uh, you've been in band, or you've been in uh, drama of some sort, right? Okay, I think everybody in the room, except for like maybe Vivianne or like Amor Lee, has probably been a student, or you've been an athlete, or you've been something in that. And then I knew not everybody was an athlete, so we went with choir and band, right? I was in drama. That's probably not hard to believe. Um, so... We've been those things. Now, on the other side of that, how many of you have been a teacher or you've been a coach or you've been an authority over somebody's life in a way as like a director, right? I know we've got the world-renowned like band director, Mr. Gajownik, right, that everybody knows him at in like the Walton community area. And so you have those things. And I think when we're students and when we're athletes, we become better 
when we have a coach or a teacher that's instructing us, right? We try a little bit harder. We're pushed a little bit more. And I even think, and I was going to Google it, and I didn't, um, so shame on me. I even think when we're teaching people, right? Let's say you're teaching somebody music, and you're trying to teach them how to play the guitar, and you're like, this is how you play a B chord, which is really hard, right? Is that a harder one? Good. (sighs) Trying to teach them, and then you find out, you're like, oh man, as you're instructing them, you're learning yourself, and you find a way that makes it a little bit easier for you. I know that's been my case when I've coached people or when I've taught people. I learn as I teach. And I think this passage today talks about how we grow up while we build up. And so specifically in this, we're going to see that we're going to be called and challenged and encouraged to grow up from a certain part of our life and then to take what we grow up in and then to use that to build up the church. And so, again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read this together. It's going to be on the big screen. All right, perfect. I thought it was off. It wasn't up there, so I apologize. So here we go. You can look on the screen or you can read in your Bible. It says, and he, that being Christ, if we read it in context, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, were to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body so that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I think the main idea of this passage is that we are equipped so that we would grow up and build up. That's the big idea that we're going to get today, so that we would grow up into Christ and we would build up the church. Okay? So that's where we're going to focus today, but, but kind of the hard part about this passage is the grow up part. Nobody wants to be told to grow up, right? Typically when your parents said that to you, it meant that you were acting childish. But it was a few weeks ago, Jeff preached a sermon about grow up people. And it was a challenge to us, but it was an encouragement, I think, to a lot of our hearts to take a look at our life and say, man, how can I grow up? And so we're going to look at this. And Brian Chappell, in his book, I guess we'll, we'll read the passage first and then... We're going to focus on verse 14 for this. And so it's a little out of context of the, of the whole thing. But in verse 14, this is kind of the law of the passage. It says, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Brian Chappell in his book, Christ-Centered Preaching, says this about the law. And it's a little small. I apologize if you can't read it. Uh, but it says, The law, it's God's intent to lead his people to their savior as he exposes their need for him. In small ways, we tend to forget this when we read our Bibles, that God gave us his word to redeem us and the passage we're reading degenerates into a history lesson or a list of rules, right? We look at the law when it comes into our lives and we're like, we're dead to the law. We're dead to the law. We don't need the law. We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got the good news. But the law, 
Man, this is the medicine God uses. God uses law and grace. God uses the law to crush us. He uses grace to cure us. And so I really hope that you listen to me during this section and that you take this challenge from Paul when he says that we need to grow up. Because there are certain things in our lives that are going to try to attack us and break us. And some of us fall into these things. I fall into some of the things that are in here. And I'm going to get really honest and, and specific about the way some of these things happen. But there are three ways specifically. And so if you're taking notes, one of the first ways we have to grow up and one of the things we have to fight away from is worldly doctrine. Last week when George was preaching, right, he, he humorously said, yeah, I'm trying to indoctrinate my kids because the world is trying to indoctrinate us. And that is absolutely true, right? In your life, as a dad, right, most Father's Day sermons, which you will not hear today, is like... You're pretty terrible. You're a pretty terrible dad, right? You get this idea that you're not good, right? And, and you need to do more and try harder and be a really good dad. And moms, they're angels. And Mother's Day, we love them. And they're the God's gift to the world. And dads, you better just try a little bit harder because you're not very good. And you're going to mess up your kids. And we're not going to hear that today because I think that is garbage. Um, but the world does. It says these things to us. Right? It tells us that if we're not the prettiest, we're not the most attractive in a group, nobody's going to care about us. If, we're not the, if we drop things in church, <laughs> God's going to be mad. Right? He doesn't care. If, if, we, if we do some of these things, if, we, if we're not the smartest in a group, well, then maybe we don't matter. If we don't care perfectly for everyone that's been given to us to care for. Well, you're not a good caretaker, right? And we've been told these lies by the world, right? And this is how you climb the corporate ladder. This is how you become a better parent, right? And it's all these different things that it's law, law, law. And why are these things dangerous? Because they creep into our Christianity. And then we start to believe that God is saying to us, I don't really like you because you're not as good as this person. You're not as smart as this person. You're not as funny as this person. You don't care. You're not as good of a mom or a dad as these people. And so if you want me to love you, you better try a little harder. And man, when that doctrine sneaks into our Christianity, you know what we completely forget? We forget that this isn't a religion of do more and try harder, right? The, the emblem of Christianity is a cross. It's not a ladder. We don't climb up to God with our good works. We talk about a God who came down to us, who descended to us in our shame and our struggles and in our weakness. And so when the world says, you better do more and try harder, you got a father that says he loves you and he's proud of you, right? But it's not just worldly doctrines. It's human cunning, right? Humans try to deceive us and kind of pull us along. In Colossians 2.8, it says, well, that's really hard for you guys to read, I'm sure. I have like one really good eye. I stabbed myself in the eye a couple weeks ago with some weeds. It was so, but here we go. In Colossians 2.8, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. The word see to it that no one takes you captive could better be abducted or kidnapped. 
Don't let your mind be abducted or kidnapped by what somebody is trying to tell you. I grew up in a, not a great home. I always tell people I grew up American, right? And kind of be good and good things will happen to you. But I grew up in an alcoholic, abusive home. My mom was a crazy alcoholic. And that's what I remember most of my life hearing from my mom that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't matter, that a lot of the problems in the house were because of me and I was a mistake. And our house would be better if I wasn't there. I was a child. Eight, nine, ten years old. Hearing this from your mom. Who's supposed to be that caretaker. And what does she say? I wish you weren't here. And then that as a child. Caused me to do so many things. To doubt who I was. Don't cry Anya. Because you're going to make me cry. (laughs) But that's not what the gospel says. That's not what Ephesians says. You look at Ephesians chapter 1, and what does it say about us? It says that we were chosen, that we were loved, that we were called, that we were saved, that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, that Christ came for us and wanted us, that he chose us and adopted us and predestined us. Like, he did those things. So when humans try to tell you, you're not good enough, and maybe you heard that from a mom, Maybe you heard that from a teacher. Maybe you heard that from a coach, and it's just that wound. Man, my challenge to you is to grow up, and I know it's not easy. I've struggled with that my whole life, that I need to earn approval, right? That's not what the gospel says. I don't work for my salvation. I work from my salvation. You aren't working for your salvation. You are working from your salvation. And that's where we're going to get to when we talk about serving God. But man, it, it doesn't stop there. Like it just keeps getting worse for us, right? It says not only is it worldly doctrines and human cunning, it's deceitful schemes. I thought it was a few weeks ago. It was actually in February. February. <laughs> Jeff preached a sermon on Hebrews chapter 3, the deceitfulness of sin. I mean, if you don't remember that sermon, you go back and re-listen to it and just let it pierce your heart. Uh, It was a tough sermon to hear, but I think it was a really good sermon for our church, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Uh, In this, it says the deceitful schemes. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the deceitful schemes that come from who? Comes from Satan. And what are we challenged to do? We're challenged to put on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, that your feet would be shod with the gospel, that you'd pick up the sword as the spirit, you'd pick up the shield of faith. That's a picture of Christ, that we would pick up Christ and that we wouldn't fall to deceitful schemes. Because there's a few deceitful schemes that I think attack us, and one is the deceitfulness of our sin, deceitfulness of sin. So I listed a few sins. I was trying to think of all the ones in my life, and I stopped with that list, and I just tried to get less specific. But anger, pride, lust, laziness, greed, grumbling, envy, and the way those play out. I mean, if you struggle with anger, just for a moment, think about when you get angry at home and the way that affects your kids your wife or your husband, maybe your neighbors, maybe your coworkers. What about when greed takes over in your life? And what's that cause you to do? Or lust? Or jealousy? 
when those things are there and when we are operating in that, man, it's ugly. And our sin deceives us to think that we can get away with acting like this because not only does sin deceive us, but we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves to say that this doesn't matter. My kids will forgive me. People will forgive me. No one will know. God, I promise I'll never do this again. And we deceive ourselves to believe this. But what does the Bible say? It says in uh, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For For whatever one sows, he will also reap. Man, this is heavy, and I think we need to hit the heaviness of this because it matters, right? For me in my life, man, I'm probably the biggest extrovert in this group, maybe. I don't know. If I hang out with five people on Friday, I want to hang out with 20 people on Sunday, and then maybe 100 by Wednesday, and then I'm feeling really good. The bigger the crowd, the better it is for this guy, right? But one of the things that I've always struggled with is anxiety and depression. I didn't know that's what it was. After, so when I was in college, right, I told you about my mom and kind of her drinking issues. When I was in college, my senior year, my mom committed suicide. And I lost my mom. And we didn't have a great relationship. And when she did that, man, it just rocked me. And I looked on, and then I started struggling with depression. And my mind started telling me things that weren't true. And I started struggling with anxiety. And, and I have to do things so that I don't listen to what I tell myself because I try to deceive myself. So I have to go for runs. Oh, crazy. That actually helps me. Get out, go for a run. I ran five times this week. I had a little bit of FOMO fear of missing out. All the people in my uh, industry were in Germany this week and I couldn't be there. And I was like, oh man, all my friends are having fun and I'm not. And I couldn't focus on the fact that I got to focus on my sermon. I got to meet with friends. I got to be in a group of discipleship. I couldn't focus on that, right? Because our mind starts to lie to us. And so I have to eat right. I have to get enough sleep so that those things don't mess with me. A friend of mine in Florida who's a pastor of a really big church, he said, your mind's a scary place to go. Don't go there alone. I saw a bumper sticker one time, and it's not up there, but I saw a bumper sticker one time. It said, don't believe everything you think. Man, if you struggle like I do with some of this stuff, talk to somebody. I know it's scary, and I know it's hard, and you're like, well, what are they going to say? They're probably going to say, it's okay. They're probably going to offer help and love. We're going to get there. We're going to speak the truth and love to people. And we're going to help them. But you don't have to go there alone. But when, when this world gets hard and when life gets hard and we don't know what to do and all these things come around and our mind is telling us these things, we have to have something to hold on to. We have to have something that anchors us. And I love this hymn. We're going to sing it later, I think. Come thou fount of every blessing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. But let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, but here's my heart. 
take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Man, would God's goodness and God's grace and God's truth and all of that be a shackle to your heart? That's what fetter is, a shackle, a binding, to hold you when it's hard. Christianity isn't about you holding on to the rope and clinging at the very end. It's about a God who reached down and grabbed you when you were at the very bottom. And he held on to you and he's holding on to you. And Jesus says that no one can pluck anybody out of my hand that the Father's given me. So when it gets desperate and dark and scary and you're alone and all this stuff is happening in your life, God's holding on to you. And he's got you. And he can walk you through the valley of the shadow of death and you can fear no evil. And that's the good news. So I'm not done. We are far from done. But I just want to pray for us before we keep going. God, I know when we hear the law and we think about the law and we think about our sin, God, it breaks us. But God, we are a debtor to your grace and we have been delivered by grace. And so God, we thank you for our Savior and God, for all the lies that we believe, for the human cunning that's spoken into our life, from the worldly doctrines and the deceitful scenes, God. Would you crucify those, God, and would you speak a better word? And that word is Jesus. And we pray this in Christ's name. All right, so we've been challenged to grow up, but not only, there's, there's something that we don't have to do this alone because we are equipped to grow up into Christ. We don't do this by ourselves. So we're going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I created my own uh, Bible version. I'm a big fan of the NASB like Daniel, and I think it translates the first part of this passage better. So if you'll bear with me, this is the NASVB Bible. So, and he gave some as apostles, and he gave some as prophets, and he gave some as evangelists, and he gave some as shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of Christ. The saints and the church are equipped. I think that's our next slide, Guapo. There we go. The saints and the church are equipped. The church is equipped by Christ. We see that at the very beginning, right? Christ gives the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers. Shepherds and teachers is one. And he can't stop me. Well, he can if he runs back and mutes me or tackles me. But I think we have one of the best shepherd teachers in all of Walton or Monroe or wherever it is. Jeff, it is a joy to sit under you as a teacher of God's word, the way that you skillfully dissect it to speak into our life and pin our sin and point us to our Savior every week is, is a joy for me and the way that you shepherd us, right? These are pinned together in the Greek, right? There's apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers is, is in the same. And man, the way that you shepherd and you care and you love, you have a way to, to speak truth, but also to bring it. And so I really just appreciate your shepherd's heart and the way that you teach. So thank you. So our church is equipped with that and other elders, Daniel and Greg and George. And we're equipped with these things. But the Bible also says that the Bible equips us. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is breathed out by God. And it's useful for, I've memorized another verse, it's useful for profitable, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God would may be complete, equipped for every good word. 
Man, maybe you're sitting out there today and you're like, huh? I don't feel very equipped at this church. Read your Bible. <laughs> that would be my sarcastic comment to you. Um, you've got a Bible. Pick it up. We were driving to a birthday party and Morgan was riding with us and she talked about one of her friends that started reading the Bible and the way that she's seen growth in her life from diving into God's word. Man, God's word has the ability to do all of these things to teach us and correct us and reprove us and train us in righteousness. If you don't know where to start, start in Ephesians chapter one tomorrow and then go to Ephesians chapter two on Tuesday right? You see where this is going? Three on Wednesday, right? And then you'll come back to church and then I'll give you a new book. If you're like, hey, I read Ephesians this week. And then maybe you'll go to Galatians, right? Get into God's word, man, because this is where God is going to speak to us. The God of the universe gave us a book to read, to tell him about himself. Man, we should read it. It's probably got some good stuff in it. But it says that not only this, but the saints and the church are equipped to do what? For the work of the ministry. Wait a minute. Aren't shepherds and teachers supposed to do the work of the ministry? Not according to this verse. I mean, we can argue about it, but I think it says that the saints are equipped to do the work of the ministry. There's a saint right now who's 10 years old. I think he's pretty handsome. I call him Guapo. Guapo is Spanish for handsome. He's cowering back there. Guapo is clicking slides for us and serving the church. He's doing the work of the ministry. And you know what I know? Every one of you adults that has a smartphone could do what he's doing. You're like, no, I, don't, I can't click right on a keyboard. How would I do that? The right button? That's, that's, that's a lot, right? Listen, we don't have a full-time staff here. We, the church, right? I'm the sound guy, and I'm preaching, right? The saints are equipped to do the work of the ministry. Man, there are so many gifts in this church. We were talking with Keith and Catherine a couple weeks ago, and they were like, do you know how many people in this church have either been on staff at a church or are ordained or went to a Christian school or something like that? And I was like, there's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, right? Man, God is asking you and encouraging you to use your gifts. I think about Josh. We've been here for a little over a year. I've never seen Josh sit with his family during church. I'll leave it there. (laughs) Maybe you want to do what he's doing. Because, guys, we've been equipped to do this. And some of us were like, I don't know. Can I do do that? Maybe you don't want to be up front and do some of those things. James doesn't want to be up front, but he does the books all the time. And when he goes through announcements, like, thank you. Or not announcements, when he goes through (laughs) money, he's like, all right, we're done. Okay, hey, did my thing. You're equipped for this. If you don't feel equipped for this and you're like, I don't know how I could serve, man, talk to your elder or talk to your deacon and let's step into this. All right, enough of beating you guys up. But, but not only are we equipped to grow up and do the work of the ministry, we're equipped to grow up in unity of faith and knowledge. Faith and knowledge. 
It's not just faith, place your faith in God. It's put your trust in God day after day after day after day. God makes promises to us. And those promises, like Jeff talked about, mean that we have to trust them. Right? Like ice cream when they're kids. Right? Mom promises ice cream. But God promises us different things. God says that that, uh, he works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When I was 20-something years old and I got the news that my mom had passed away, I knew Romans 8.28. I was in a Romans class at Bible school. I was like, God's going to work that together for good? I don't know how, but I know he says he's going to, and I'm going to hold him to it. And you know what? He's big enough to hold himself to it because he made the promise. God isn't a promise breaker. God is a promise keeper. He's the promise maker. We're the promise breaker. But he makes those promises to us. And he keeps those promises. And so maybe you've got something in your life and you're struggling and you see in God's word it says this and you're like, is God really going to do that? Man, grow up in your trust of God. And that's a hard word, but man, I promise you, Get angry with God. Man, you read the Psalms. David yells at God. And then what's he say at the end? But I trust in the Lord. Renew my, the strength of my salvation. And then we grow up not only in faith, but we grow up in knowledge. And I think knowledge is equated to theology. And so I got a little quote. Theology is the study of God. And I do not think that, I think theology should not divide or cause fruitless debates. It should cause delight and a deepening of our faith. So when you think about God and the way that he creates theology, right? He wants us to know him. And there's some certain doctrines within the church, right? We're like predestination, and everybody's like, you want to fight about that? You want to fight about predestination? I don't know, I believe that. Oh, I believe it. If theology is about knowing God, and we get to know God more, That should cause delight in us. It should cause a deepening of our faith. Now, if you want to debate those things, I'm not saying that you shouldn't debate, but it shouldn't cause fruitless debate. There are plenty of people in this church that would love to debate theology with you and discuss theology with you, but not so that it would cause division. This is talking about unity of faith and of knowledge. So if you've got questions about theology and about God, Right? As, as a husband, I want to try to know my wife more so that I can love her more. And the more I learn about her, right? she loves chocolate. I know this much about chocolate. If chocolate went away forever, it wouldn't affect me at all. Zero. And so my wife was like, whenever you're out, you should buy me chocolate. And I was like, Hershey's? And she was like, like good chocolate. And I was like, Hershey's? I don't know. <laughs> She's like, dark chocolate. And I think the first time she said dark chocolate, like I baking chocolate. Like I was like, Hershey's baking chocolate. <laughs> Apparently that's not good chocolate. But to love my wife, I want to know her more. Shouldn't it be the same way that the more we know God, the more we love him? And so theology should drive us deeper. Right? And so, man, I hope that theology doesn't cause division in your heart. Or caused you to fruitlessly debate. But then lastly, we're to measure up to Christ. Part of growing up 
is measuring ourselves, right? We've got a ruler in our house. And it goes up to 6'6", six, six because of Anya's side of the family. She's got like Dutch giants. And uh, I'm the tallest in my family by like six inches. So, good luck, kids. But we measure against something. We measure against Christ. We don't measure against other people in the church, right? If you're growing up, you don't measure your kids against each other. You're like, well, you're almost as tall as them. You take a ruler and you measure them. And you go, okay, you're five foot tall. You're 5'2". And we measure up against Christ. And there's a few things, if you're looking in Ephesians and you're looking for more, in Ephesians 4.32, it says, forgive as Christ forgave you. Ooh. Man, I had to forgive my mom. You might have to forgive a parent. You might have to forgive a spouse. You might have to forgive a boss or a coworker. And that may be really really hard. Has that person sinned against you more than you've sinned against God? Probably not. Forgive as Christ forgave. And then in in, uh, Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Man, we are measuring ourselves against perfection. But that's the call, and that's what he says in Philippians 2. It says, Has, have this mind in you that was the same of Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God did not consider himself equality with God, but humbled himself to the point of a servant, to the point of death on a cross. That's what we're comparing to. And I know that is heavy and hard, but that's where we look at and we grow up into Christ-likeness when we do this. We don't compare against other people. We don't look on and go, I'm a better Christian than Topher. You, you probably are. Let's, I'll be honest. But what's that going to create? That's going to create pride in your life. Or you're going to say, oh man, Topher preaches, I'm not as good as him. And then you're going to pout, right? Pouting and pride, awful. We don't need that in Christianity. That's not what it's about. So we measure against Christ. And we see what he's calling us to and what he says in his word and what he challenges us with because that's the rule and that's the standard. And then we... We're built up in love to build up the church. Built up in love to build up the church. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, and here's what it says. Rather speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. First part of it, we speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. There's a a verse in James 5, 19 through 20. You can write it down. It'll be up there. Um, It says, my brothers, if anyone among you stumbles from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Guys, if you see somebody in our church that's struggling with temptation and they're having this conversation with you and they're like, I'm thinking about this. Temptation leads to sin. Sin leads to misery. Misery leads to destruction. And then eventually death. Is it the loving thing to go, I see where you're going. Good luck. Or is it the loving thing to speak truth and love and to go up to him? Now, what I'm not saying is speak truth without love. I'm not saying speak love without truth. You've got to call things out. 
right? You've got to speak the truth in love, not one without the other. And man, this is hard. We probably all fall on different extremes of this. It's maybe easier to speak love or it's easy to speak truth, right? We're one way or the other. But the challenge is to speak truth in love. And then one of the things that I think uh, we also need to do is we need to receive the truth in love. Right, Guapo? There you go. Receive the truth in love. I don't take criticism well. That's an understatement. I poorly receive criticism. I asked a buddy of mine in this church, I said, hey, if you see sin in my life, call it out. And he did. (laughs) At about like nine o'clock in the morning one day. And I think I finally wrote down my response to him at midnight. Because man, it was crushing to my heart. And it was hard to receive and I had to pray and ask God to speak to me in that. I was angry and I was hurt. And you know what he was? He was hurt. He was was feeling pain because he felt he had hurt me. And I hope he doesn't stop calling me out on my sin just because I don't respond well. So we need to receive the truth in love. When when somebody is, is bold enough and brave enough to say, I see this in your life. I don't think you want to go down this road. Man, can we take all things, all criticisms as constructive criticisms when they come from people in the body? I'm preaching to myself here. I'm terrible at this. I am awful. I am not the example. But man, if somebody's going to call you out on your sin, man, we pray about it. And if they're bold enough, thank them for being willing to do that. We build ourselves up in love. We speak the truth in love. We receive the truth in love. And then we grow up into Christ. And this is a lot like that measure thing, but in Colossians 1... 10 through 11, I was trying to think how I make it simple to tell you how to grow up into Christ or grow up into Christ-likeness. And I think we got the next slide, Guapo. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We need to bear fruit and deepen the root. We deepen the root, we deepen our growth into Christ, and then we bear fruit. And we go out and we do this, this life, and we bear fruit. It's a, the spiritual habits of journaling and prayer and reading our Bibles. And that's the fruit that comes out when we're doing those things. And then lastly, or not lastly, there's two more, I guess. We're almost done. I don't know what time I'm supposed to be done. I don't know how long I've been going, so you're stuck with it. Working properly. This was a weird one. Um, In verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. I'm 40, one on Tuesday, right? I'm not that old, but I have joints that don't work well. I had a scar, and I didn't take care of it, and got infected, and went gangrene, and now my ankle's weird. Um... When joints don't work right and you wake up in the morning and they hurt and it's hard to move around, it's not fun. Like, it's not fun at all, right? But when joints work right and when things are going right, it's great. 
right? When joints and when you're learning a new thing, I remember the first time I learned how to play golf. My friend said it's like baseball, which I played, except for swinging down. It's not like that at all. That is terrible advice. If you're trying to take up golf and somebody says, ah, it's just like baseball, false. But learning the golf swing was really hard. Learning how to serve sometimes is hard, right? When we're working properly, when each person is doing what they're supposed to be doing and what they were made to do, it builds the church up in love. Some of you are like, how and where do I serve? Well, you could come down under and you could serve at Zoomerang this week, you know? We've got Zoomerang and you could come out there and hang out with the kids and talk about boomers and kangaroos and crocky would be a good time. Come to VBS. It could be the best thing for you. You could be like, I love kids. Or it could be like, I'm never having kids. Wow. I want to get rid of the ones I have after that week. I need a vacation from my family. Like, Mom, where are you going? Away. Where? Away. Just away. But it says when each part is working. When each part, each part, each person Man, you've all got a specific role to play. There's a quote that I read, and it says, God shapes congregations through the shaping of individuals. Jeff talks about this all the time. When Before church starts, 65 people are standing on those stairs, right? And we create a spirit tunnel for everybody that's walking into church. And for like the introverts, they are like, You can't get into this church without shaking everybody's hand. This is going to happen because we're a friendly church. Because individually, you're friendly. If individually, we love God and are committed to growing in God in faith and in knowledge and in unity and the belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you know what this church becomes? It becomes that. That's what I love about this. Each person, each part, God shapes this congregation through you. Like when it says saints are equipped for the work of the ministry, does Guapo think he's a saint? Do the kids in this church, I mean, a saint, that's such a weird word. But when each person, and you're a member of this church, when people say that like, oh, the youth, they're the, genera- or they're the church of tomorrow. I just want to punch them. So don't say that to me. I, I might throat punch you. Um, they're the church of today. They're in a church today. They're receiving God's word. We'll drive home and my kids will tell me, Miriam will tell me what she remembers from the sermon. The church, the individuals shape this congregation. And so, man, if you want to serve, I'm sure they need volunteers this week at VBS. And then finally, the body builds itself up. We build up and grow up and grow up while building up. Months ago, Marcus got ordained as a deacon. And Marcus was just growing in what the Lord was growing him in. And he was just walking in faith and obedience. And God called him to be a deacon of this church. And after that service, a few people came up to me and they were like, man, that was challenging and convicting and encouraging. And I want to step up in my faith. And Marcus didn't become a deacon to try to make us better, right? That was just what God was doing in his life. And so as God builds us up, right, we build up other people. And we grow other people like that coach does. Think about when you're at a wedding and the pastor's up there and they're talking to the couple and, and you're sitting with your wife or your husband and you just reach down and you grab their hand and you, and you remember your wedding day. 
The people that are up on stage aren't probably thinking about your marriage. But is it encouraging your marriage? Yeah. Baptisms. They encourage the congregation. Discipleship. When we are discipling other people, it encourages us. So when we step into ministry, that's what it's about. And so we grow up other people while we grow up and we build up other people while we're being built up. And I think that's the whole point of this passage. And so, man, if you've heard anything today, it's that you're not children anymore. Man, the world is trying to tell you and they're trying to deceive you and they're trying to make you think you're a child. You're not. You've been equipped by Christ to grow up into Christ and to build up his church. Would you pray with me? God, you are a good God. That you love us. God, I just thank you that you let me teach your word for what it does to my life and the encouragement it is to my soul and my heart and my mind. God, and you grow me up and then you give me the opportunity to build up. And so I thank you for that. God, for the words that were from you today, God, I pray that they would take root in our hearts, God, and they would bear fruit. God, for every ear that heard this, God, would they just know that they are loved by you. God, despite what the world tells them, that you love them. You sent your son to die for them. And God, would we as a church step into what you've called us. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's name. Thank you, Topher. That was a blessing. I'm still laughing about the spirit tunnel. <laughs> uh, that was a blessing, man. You, you really challenged me on a lot of things, too. Well, it's now the time in our service when we get the great privilege of participating in the Lord's Supper. Um, I, don't norm- I don't know if I've ever read this, but